here is a sermon that was preached by Pastor Ballin in one of the Sunday morning services. We would like to continue again on the sermon series on prayer. And this morning, I just want to, you know, uh, keep my message short. Uh, that's the reason we are just going to talk about some of the shortest prayers in the Bible. Some of the shortest and very meaningful, very precise prayers in the Word of God. You know, God wants at times our prayers to be very specific. You know, most of the time we get into a mode of prayer, into a time of prayer, and really we do not know why we want to pray, what, for what we want to pray. But if you turn scriptures, scripture is specific, scripture is asking us to you know, bring our petitions specifically to the, at the feet of God. It may be our, you know, our family-related problem, our, our health-related issues, or our workplace-related issue, or just praying for the community, or praying for the entire world. God wants us to bring our prayers very specifically to the feet of God. God also expects us to you know, pray very accurately. You know, sometimes we start with something and we not just go on and on and we will not be very clear to God. You know, God expects us to pray, even though God knows everything about us, but still God wants us to pray. The reason why God wants us to pray is God wants to hear from us. This is what we need. This is what I am praying for. You know, that reason God expects us to bring our prayers very specifically to God and very accurately to, to, you know, tell the prayers to God. That doesn't mean that, you know, we need to really write it down and read from the book to God. It, it, it is all about our mind and our attitude, you know, being set in the right path of asking God. You know, sometimes, I don't know whether you come across this situation. Your spirit is willing to ask something to God, but your flesh is asking for something else to God and your mind is somewhere else. You know, we are made of three components. And we are kneeling down to pray, but our mind is somewhere else. But our flesh is not really cooperating to pray. Our flesh is probably so weak, but our spirit is willing. You know, that's the nature of us. You know, when three components are, you know, trying to move in three different directions, our prayer is not coordinated. Our prayer is not very specific. God is expecting us to pray specifically. God is also expecting us to pray for the right purpose. You know, sometimes we pray, scripture says, we pray and the prayer is not heard because you pray to make sure to, you know, to according to your desires, to meet your desires. You don't really pray to God for his will. You just pray to him because, Lord, this is what I need. This is what I think it's, it feels good for me. And God is asking us to pray for the right purpose. God is also asking us to be made, prayer to be made with the right attitude. You know, when we come to God, God expects, God looks our attitude. Do you remember two individuals? They went into the temple of God to pray. And one was a Pharisee and another one was a tax collector. The, you know, he was just standing far off. He did not even dare to go near the altar. And, but the Pharisee just went forward and he was just started talking about all the good things that he was doing. You know, at times God is not really there to listen to all the good things about us. God knows us. But God is inspect instead, God expects us to come to him with the right attitude. The attitude of humility. 
the attitude of you know loving people the attitude of, the attitude of you know bitterness removed our, from our hearts the attitude of you know the grudges that we carry in our mind set away you know god expects us to have the right attitude when we come to pray prayer also need to be made in the right time do you know that you know prayer need to be made in the right time think of the the, the sinner sorry the, the the thief that who was hanging at the cross the thief was hanging at the cross Probably he just prayed to Lord Jesus Christ in the right time. In the right time. If you would have missed that opportunity, probably he would have died. Or probably Jesus would have given his spirit. But he made the prayer in the right time. Think of Peter. As he was drowning, he just sought out for help. Prayer also needs to be made in the right time. Scripture also teaches that. You know, this is, this is what I'm just you know, about, to, about to do this morning. Scripture is also teaching us not just pray with our vain words, but Scripture is asking us to pray with inner feelings from the heart. You know, many times when we pray, our lips move, but our heart is not in line with what we think, what we are trying to say. Scripture is teaching us that our prayer needs to be our inner feelings. What we go through within us need to come out as prayer. You know, we are just going to quickly go through some of the examples from the Word of God. Scripture also tells us prayer cannot be just a repetitive words. You know, I don't really understand why God is so specific about the way we need to pray. You know, at times we think that, you know, just we can pray whatever we feel like praying. That's one way it is true. But Scripture is also teaching us that we cannot just pray with repetitive words. But God is asking us to pray with few words. You know, I just want to read those scriptures for you this morning. Let's turn our Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 2. Scripture is in fact warning us about lengthy prayers. Ecclesiastes 5 2. Scripture says, Do not be rash with your mouth and let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. For God is in heaven and you on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I believe it is about prayer. Because it talks about talking to God. And scripture is telling us, just do not be rash. Do not, do not be just hastily come and talk something to God. And let not your heart utter anything hastily before God. Because God is in heaven. You are on the earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let's read another scripture. Then we talk about it. Matthew chapter 6 verse 7. Matthew 6 7. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. Who prays with the repetitive words? Heathens. Who are heathens? Ungodly people who are not serving our Lord God. How do they pray? They pray repeating the words. You know, this is very important. Especially when we are charismatic, but when we are Pentecostal, you know, we tend to get into that mode of repeating what we say. And this morning scripture says, who repeats? Heathens. Ungodly people. Those who do not know our God. They repeat. They beat on their breast. They scratch themselves. Why? They think that if, if they do at least that much, then at least their God or goddesses can hear. But we are talking to our God who is in heaven, we are on the earth, and God is telling us, do not just repeat vain words. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. So scripture is teaching us 
to prayer very short. Now we may be having a confusion. Jesus is asking the disciples, can't you wait with me for one hour? And most of the time we hear sermons teaching us saying that we need to pray for at least one hour, at least half an hour, 20 minutes. And now scripture is telling us not to pray and not to repeat the words. How do we understand the scriptures? Scripture is also thinking, you know, putting these scriptures in the context of public prayer. You know, when we pray publicly, when we pray standing outside, maybe standing in front of, in front of the church, in the pulpit and pray, Scripture is saying not to do that. When we are praying as a group, not to just, you know, go on and on with the vain words. Instead, let our words be precise. Instead, you know, so that, you know, there, is, there are a couple of advantages by doing it. When we do that, we are giving an opportunity for our next person to pray. You know, I come across some people, they just pray. When they start praying, we will ask them to pray. Brother, can you just pray for the, 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 the trouble that people who are living in Afghanistan, they are going through. Right? They start the prayer saying, Lord, bless my mother. Bless my father, bless my grandmother, bless my grandchildren. And they come everywhere around, all around the globe. And finally, they will not operate for Afghanistan. You know, scripture is asking us to pray precisely for what we need to ask. You know, this is very, very important that we need to pray. You know, some, of the, some, of, some people, you know, hate Christianity because, you know, when they come into a prayer meeting, they know that this prayer meeting will never stop. This prayer meeting will just go on and on. There are times God wants us to wait at His feet. Pray maybe during the entire night. Pray until God receives, or we receive the you know, healing or blessing. But that's not always. That's not always. Because God expects us to talk to Him. The way we talk to our friend. The way we talk to our parents. You know, how much time, you know, Dan can come and take, talk to me regarding a couple of things. Maybe just a few minutes, not, maybe a few seconds. After that, I'm just gone from there. I'm not saying God is not listening. God is listening. But God expects our words to be precise. God hates the repetitive nature of prayer. Because God is in heaven and we are on the earth. We are just going to, you know, see four little, the shortest prayer in the word of God. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14 verse 30. Here we see Jesus performing a miracle of feeding 5,000 people. And on that evening, he decided to go alone to pray to the Father. Matthew 14, 30. He alone went to, the, to spend time with the Father. He asked the disciples to cross the sea. And disciples were crossing the sea. And scripture says in the night, as they were sailing in the sea, the sea they were tossed by the waves because the wind was contrary. The wind was so boisterous and they could not cross the sea. And there was a point of time in their lives on that night, they thought they may even lose their lives. And verse 30 says, When Jesus is coming to the boat as they were sailing, and Peter, who was in the boat, he looked at Lord Jesus Christ and he said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. And listen to me, Peter was just walking on the water. And as he was walking on the water, verse 30 says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. 
he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. We are talking about the shortest prayer in the word of God. Peter is crying out to God saying, Lord, save me. You know, what a powerful prayer that was. Our Lord God stretched out with his hand and he lifted Peter as he was about to sing. You know, look at the power in that prayer. We are talking about the prayer that comes from the bottom of our heart in a situation such as this where Peter is and when he cries out to God, just one word, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. That word gave life back to Peter. Have you come across testimonies? Maybe in your own life, there are times that when you cried out to God, Lord, where are you? You know, you see God just coming there, helping you. God doesn't really look for many words. God is looking for cry of your heart. And that cry may be, Lord, save me. Peter was crying out to God for help. You know, everything was going all right in his life. He was able to walk on the water. He knew very well, Jesus has come down. Now the, the wind is going to cease and the boat is going to sail. Everything was perfect. At that moment, we see Peter was about to drown our faith life is also like this. I just want to compare what is really going on in the sea at that night with our faith life. We all believe in God. We all know our God can save us. But all of us face a time and situation in our lives. Our faith collapses. Our faith collapses. We have been waiting for God to heal me, but I'm not getting healed. Instead, I'm going through the pain of, you know, having that sickness in my body. Our faith collapses. Some of the people, they walk away from God today, chilling, quoting an excuse, saying that God did not answer my prayer. My brother, my sister, you did not understand who our God is. If we know very well who our God is, we will not walk away from God saying that God did not answer me. It is important that we know our God. Our faith life when it collapses. God expects us to cry out to him. Just one word. Lord, save me from this situation. We will see the miracle working power of God. You know, for Peter, it was a life or death situation. Peter was not just, you know, happily walking in the water. He was about to sing. He was a fisherman. He has scandaled the sea for, you know, maybe how many years, we don't know. But he was about to die in that sea on that night. He was in a life or death situation. You know, God at times brings us to such a point and he makes us to cry to God. Until then, we may just go around talking, talking, praying, praying with all our words. They are all not maybe from our mind, maybe from our, through our lips. But God brings us to a point of time where we just break open and cry to God. That's from the bottom of our heart. That's where God's answer is, not in other prayers. When we just break and cry to God, we see God answering our prayer. It requires us to understand who our God is. Peter did not have any time to you know, make a long prayer. Think about Peter, he was just drowning. If he wanted to make a, just a long prayer, starting from you know, introducing himself to God and then just going on and on, at the end, concluding, a pro giving a proper, proper conclusion to the prayer. No, he did not any, have any time to pray such a long prayer. How that he had time to cry out to God. You know, God expects us to do that. 
it becomes never too late for God to do anything in our lives. Don't you know that? You know, we may think that you know, everything is gone. We may think that you know, things are not happening the way we want. We may think, we may understand that something God is about to do in my life. But we need to understand it is never too late for God. You know, we may think that, you know, I'm just getting aged, Lord. What is going on in my life? I'm not blessed, Lord, like so many people around me today. Lord, I don't have this blessing. I don't have that blessing. But it is never too late for God to bring that miracle in our lives. But all that we need to know is, we need to know how to pray, how to approach God. That's the reason we are taking some positive examples from the word of God, where people reached out to God with the right spirit, with the right attitude, precisely, very accurately, telling God what they want. Number two, in Luke chapter 17. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17. Verse 5. Luke chapter 17, verse 5. Very interesting passage here. From verse 10, 1 to verse 10. There are a couple of things that Jesus is telling to the disciples. And when we read the scriptures, especially verse 5, the apostles, they are praying to Lord Jesus, increase our faith. Increase our faith. Now, as I was reading the scriptures, only one point I could bring to you this morning. Faith is needed. Listen to me. Faith is needed not only for miracles. Faith is very much needed for our day-to-day Christian life. Listen to this. Faith is needed not only for miracles. Faith is needed for our day-to-day Christian life. How? Let's listen to what Jesus is trying to tell here. Verse 1, Jesus says, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus is telling, you know, nobody, nobody should speak the words of offensive words. But instead, let, let's continue to reverse. 2 says, It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then that he should offend one of these little ones. You know, did you understand that? What the scripture is trying to say? You know, you may wonder whether it's Lord Jesus Christ or it is somebody else. Lord Jesus is a compassionate God, isn't it? Isn't he? He's a compassionate God. But now this is what is Jesus saying. If any of you offend any of these little ones. Little ones, Jesus is not really referring to the children, but he is also referring who are really babes in Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe they are not believers yet. Maybe they are just new believers. They just start coming to church. And you know what scripture is saying? Jesus is telling, if you become a stumbling block for someone who is really a child in Jesus Christ, what to be done? A millstone. How, how big the millstone is? I don't know how much it weighs. 200 pounds? 300, 400 pounds? So the millstone needs to be tied around our neck. And along with the millstone, we need to be thrown into the ocean. Did you get that? Look at the punishment. That means we can never become a stumbling block for someone 
who is trying to know Jesus Christ. Jesus said this, and verse 3, he says, Take heed to yourself. Then he says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents for him, for, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and all the seven times he comes back to you and tell you, forgive me, brother, my brother, what we need to do? We need to forgive him. Brother refers to our own brother. Brother also refers to all the brothers in Christ. If somebody did something against us, and if they come to us and asking for forgiveness, repentance, we as children of God, we will be willing to forgive them. That's what scripture says. You know, I'm, 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 sure, that, I'm sure that in your mind goes around when I teach this. The question you are trying to ask with your mind is, how can I forgive that somebody? How can I forgive that somebody? This is what Jesus is trying to teach to the disciples. Look at the way apostles are praying. They were in the same situation like you and me. Verse 5. And the apostles said to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. That's the reason I said, we need faith, not only for miracles. We need faith even to look, some, look at somebody and accept him, accept her. We need faith in the Lord. Even not to become a stumbling block for someone in his life or her life. We need faith in God. The moment we fall down from our faith, we are finding it difficult to forgive. Jesus continued again. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up and bite the roots and be planted in the sea and it would, be, it would obey to you. Now we see faith required for supernatural miracles. Faith is required for our day-to-day -day living. To love somebody, we need faith. To help somebody to come into Christ, we need faith. For a supernatural miracle, we need faith. We need faith everywhere. That's the reason the prayer was, Lord, increase our faith. Finally, he also says, before we you know, move out of the scripture, verse 7 and 8 and 9. I would have read that scripture 10 times for me to understand what Jesus is trying to say there. And which of you having a servant plowing a tending sheep will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not rather say to him, prepare something for my supper and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk and afterward you will eat and drink does he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all those things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty to do. You know, that's an amazing lesson. I just, you know, I'll just help you. I'll just describe that. Think about a master, a servant who is coming, working all the day in the field. And at the end of the day, he's coming to his house. Will the master look at the servant and say, Come on, servant, you worked all the day. You sit on the table. I will feed you. I will serve you. You come and sit because you worked all the day. I am your master, but doesn't matter. Come and sit on the table. I will feed you. Will he do that? No. But instead, what will he say? He will say, my servant, you come on the right time. Go and prepare food for me. You serve me so that I am eaten and drunk. And then you eat and servant does everything as the master says will the master look at the servant and say thank you no 
Why? He doesn't say thank you because that is his duty. That's what Jesus is teaching here. That becomes his duty. And he is just doing his duty because he is so and this evening, this morning, God is expecting us not to expect thanks, but God is expecting us to wait. Because God is look, going to look at it and say, one day, you faithful servant. You know, I just put it this way, serving God at times becomes the most thankless job. Serving God at times becomes the most thankless job. Right? You may not understand what I'm saying. I'll just put it this way. How many of you prayed for somebody? And when that somebody got blessed, whether he turned to you to say that you are praying for me, I am blessed, not many times. You took care of somebody at your home. You took care of somebody. You paid for his bills. And you took care of that. Because only you know you fear God. Because you love God. God asked you to love and do that for that man or that woman. You did that. How many of them go back and send an email to you saying that I am blessed today just because you prayed for me. You took care of me at your home. You fed me on the day. You know, how many of them? No, not many people. You know, I tell the prayer conference people, they keep praying for, you know, some of the baby blessings. You know, some of, somebody came with a request saying that I'm not getting pregnant. Can you just pray for me? And these poor people in the prayer conference, they pray on and on, on and on, on and on. You know, the baby would have born already. The baby would have started going to school. They are still praying. Lord, give them and bless them with the baby. Because they never bothered to get back to us to say thank you for your prayer. You know, serving God becomes a thankless job. How can you do that? How can I do that? Lord, Increase my faith. Simple prayer. Lord, increase my faith. You know, that prayer alone will help you to do things for God. That prayer alone will enable you to go on and on serving God. Even though you are not recognized. Even though you are not appreciated for what you do. You know, God honors you because God expects you to do that. How is it possible? Only by faith. That's the reason. When Jesus was teaching this, it was so hard on them. But they are crying out to God, Lord, increase my faith. For thirdly, Let's turn to Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Here comes a father bringing his son. And he knew very well that son was possessed with a mute spirit. And that spirit throws him often, convulses him, and throws him into the fire and into the waters. This father brought that son to Lord Jesus Christ. Thinking that, you know, first he brought him to the disciples. Thinking that the disciples will pray for him and release him from that spirit. But disciples could not pray and you know, get the spirit out. Now he was brought to Jesus Christ. And as he came to Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus told a couple of things. Jesus, of course, he rebuked. The disciples saying that if you are a faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So he was brought to Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord Jesus asked him, asked the father, how long your son has been suffering? And he said, from childhood onwards, the spirit is you know, within him and it is really killing him. And this is what Jesus told him, verse 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, 
I believe, help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. We talked about, Lord, Lord, you increase my faith. Here we are talking about in Mark 9, 24. Lord, help my unbelief. Jesus is asking, telling the Father, if you can believe, your son can be set free. But this man says, Lord, I believe, but I have unbelief within me. Lord, help my unbelief. You know, faith and unbelief are contradicting to each other. Faith is one side that you are trying to trust God. Unbelief always comes and shows its ugly head and it takes you away from God. If faith is helping you to come up in the Lord, to grow in spiritually, unbelief comes and takes you down. Faith, you know, helps you to realize a blessing in your life, but unbelief comes and trying to take that blessing away from you. You know, many times we struggle thinking about some of those words that are spoken in our lives. Many times we, you know, worried, we are worried about those curses that are spoken in our lives. When you are having faith, you just come against those curses and rebuke them in the name of Jesus. But when unbelief grips your heart, those words again echo in your ears. We are talking about that man, the father praying to Lord Jesus Christ, help my unbelief. In fact, unbelief prevents all the blessings from God. Unbelief prevents all the blessings from God. You know, some of those blessings that we are not able to receive from God because we don't believe. We have faith in God, but unbelief is something that is in our lives. Matthew 13 verse 58, scripture says, Matthew 13, 58. Now he did not, could not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. You know, scripture is very clear. Jesus, as he was, he went into his own village of Nazareth. As he was preaching there, can you imagine? Not many miracles taking place there. Not many miracles taking place there. Only a few, a couple of them. Otherwise, they were all healed. Those who came to the Lord Jesus Christ, everyone was healed. But now here, like the, like the current healing crusade, people come with the sickness and they were just going back with the sickness from Lord Jesus Christ. Reason why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. You know, I just want you to know the weight of unbelief. The unbelief totally works against you. The unbelief totally works against God's children. The unbelief totally destroys all the blessings of God in our lives. You know, whatever you are praying for, whatever you are longing for in your life, this morning it's not enough you have faith in God. It is good to have faith in God, but it is very important that we need to get out of that unbelief. The factor of unbelief that you have within you will not allow you to receive the blessing of God. Hebrews 3.12 says, Beware, brethren, it's a warning, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Scripture says it's an evil heart. The moment we are not able to believe in Lord Jesus Christ, we turn to evil, then your faith was not going to work because you are already fallen, already fallen because you are not believing in God. And this morning, let this be our prayer. Lord, help my unbelief. You know, God is able to do things in our lives, but it's because of our unbelief, God is not able to do. Hebrews 3.19 says, Hebrews 3.19. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief children of Israel. The reason, only reason, they had to die in the wilderness 
is because of their unbelief. You know, unbelief is very deadly. Unbelief is a killer. Unbelief is going to set us apart from God. Unbelief eventually will prevent us from entering into the eternity. You know, how severe it is. How carefully we need to handle this part in our lives. Unbelief prevented them not to enter into the blessed land of Canaan. Now this morning, God is speaking to us. God is telling us, my son, my beloved, you need to just stop unbelieving God. You need to just stop unbelieving God. It's not our faith. It is the unbelief that is going to kill us, that is going to trouble us. It may prevent us from entering into the eternity. And this morning, God is talking to us. God is preparing our hearts as we listen to these words. Finally, in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verse 47. We see the sh- another shortest prayer. Here we see a man who was born blind, sitting at the sides of the roads of Jericho, knowing that Jesus is coming into the city of Jericho. And the moment he heard that Jesus is coming, he just cried out loud, Son of David, have mercy on me. And all the people around him asked him to keep quiet. And when they asked him to keep quiet, you know, he screamed the more, his, more of his voice. And again, see, he cried out saying that, Lord, Son of David, help on, have mercy on me. And Jesus, scripture says, he stood still. And he looked at the beggar who was blind and asked him to come to him. And Lord healed him on that day. But the prayer there was, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You know, God likes some of those prayers. When we come to God, as we read in Mark 10, 47. Let's read that scripture. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. You know, mercy means God is not punishing us. Even though we deserve punishment because of our sins. God is merciful on us. He's not punishing us according to what we deserve. If God can punish us the way we punish our children, think about it. If God can punish the way we instruct our children and we give punishment and time out and various things for children, if God starts giving time out to you and me, think about what will happen to us. I just want you to think. You know, God is not punishing according to what we deserve. That's what is called as a mercy of God. Grace is an unmerited favor of God in our lives. You're talking about this beggar here screaming to God, Lord, have mercy on me. I'm such a sinner. Lord, I don't, I deserve only punishment from you. But because of your mercy, I'm not punished. You know, that prayer made Jesus to stand still. You know, when we cry out to God saying, Lord, have mercy on me. You know, I believe God has to do something in your life. Because you are not just depending on your strength, your ability. You know that your ability is not really meriting you to receive those blessings from God. But instead, you are just depending on His mercy. His mercy. You know, when we cry out to God, Lord, have mercy on me. We see things changing in our lives. Scripture says in Psalm 86 verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive 
and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. You know, our God is a merciful God. Our God is a compassionate God. Our God is a ever loving God. God that God is expecting you and me this morning is to cry out to God, Lord, save me, Lord. Lord, increase my faith, Lord. Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, have mercy on me. You know, these are a couple of, you know, shortest prayer in the scripture that we read. But this morning, I believe these prayers are meaningful prayer. These prayers are powerful prayer. You know, I don't know what our situation this morning is. If some of us are going through some kind of situation, I just want you to cry out to God, exactly saying these things, Lord, have mercy on me, Lord. Help my unbelief, Lord. Lord, increase my faith, Lord. Save me from this situation, Lord. You know, if we can make that prayer this morning, I'm sure God is hearing our cry this morning. Let's, let's close our eyes. Get into a time of prayer. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.